yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the racing is racing. You know, you can't change the principle, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and the, the wheel is always going to be, be round. Uh, but I think the, the product is not bad. Of course, you have every kind of six, seven races, we get, you know, a stunner. Nico Hulkenberg has been one of the great stories of the F1 2020 season. Two super sub appearances for Racing Point, once for Sergio Perez at the Silverstone events and once for Lance Stroll at the Nürburgring. For a guy who it seemed Formula One was completely closed off to at the end of last season, it was an amazing chance to put his name back on people's minds in terms of 2021. And he's done that with those performances. Now, occasionally on this show, we've heard that people struggle to sometimes differentiate between Nate's voice and Lawrence's voice. So I can exclusively reveal to you that this is Nate's voice, that's me, uh, and you'll hear me throughout this episode talking to Nico Holgenberg, and next week you'll hear Lawrence talking to Bobby Epstein. Bobby is the head of the Circuit of the Americas, the host of the US Grand Prix, and we caught up with him to talk about the future of that race and the realities of things for Cota in the post-COVID-19 world. We're going to jump straight into things with Nico. Uh, so much to talk about with him given the context of his season those super sub appearances of course but also just what it's like to be a formula one driver who suddenly has the rug pulled from under your feet you suddenly don't have a formula one seat for the next season what do you do in that situation what goes through your mind when do you start thinking about other series away from formula one and of course the big question about what he's going to do in 2021 so let's kick things off here we go espn talking to nico holgenberg Sounds like you've been quite busy these past few months. Um, what sort of things are you doing between races? Because I suppose you've got to keep yourself pretty active at the moment, both mentally and physically, just in case you know any team needs you for, for any of the races coming up. Yeah, or, well, obviously it's been hit and miss, like uh, sometimes hectic and busy, sometimes very quiet, you know, uh, depending on the week. But um, no, obviously it's been, been cool and fun, you know, to, to stand in always the two times I did, like so last second, I, I quite, uh, you know, enjoyed that challenge. Um, and the experience and obviously you know then at the end if the end result is is, is good it's all all worthwhile obviously um so uh yeah keeping myself uh fit but you know driving fitness is something that is very hard to to train or get in a gym you really kind of have to be in the car for that but you know whenever i get a chance you just have to you just have to cope and i think you know kind of my my experience helps a little bit there also to you know to get around some of the problems you face yeah, and I suppose you, you must be, every time your phone's going off, you must be thinking, you know, like, <laughs> does, your, does your heart drop a bit and think, or who, you know, who could this be? Is it kind of like that? Or are you just trying to not think about it too much? Because I suppose that is when you can get into, a, into some trouble is when you start thinking like every call, like, hey, this could be, this could be big and it might just be, it could just be anyone. Yeah, to be honest, I, I take it very easy. You know, I live my life. I take uh, every day at a time. And, you know, when it rings, uh, it rings. And I uh, see who's there. It's not, obviously, you can see. Uh, on the phone display who is calling you yeah. but um yeah the two times i did get the, the late call it was obviously yeah super super surprise and um you know not much time to think really we just had to react so quickly each time because it was uh you know so um yeah so short notice the first time obviously i was not even in the country so i had to travel first the second time i was luckily uh, quite close uh, geographically and that that helped but uh just gotta do it Obviously, the fact that it was two times the same team helps a lot um, because, you know, the seat is there, the infrastructure is, is kind of set up already. Um, you know, for any other team, you couldn't do it so short notice like Nürburgring anyways. Yeah, and just on the Nürburgring example, I think I remember you saying that you were having coffee in Cologne at about 11. Otmar Safnau called you and you were in the car. What What's going through your head in the car? You know, are you trying to like clear your mind of stuff? Because you know, you know the mental side of things and where you need to be to kind of race and compete. 
So what sort of things were, were you thinking of then? Because for me, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to think straight, but I'm sure you've, you know, you've probably worked out a way to cope with that a bit better than I would. Yeah, I was, I have to admit, I was quite pumped, you know, with adrenaline and a bit nervous um, when I, you know, left Cologne, drove to, to Nürburgring, uh, because obviously it was kind of crazy, you know, to yeah, not have any preparation and just go, you know, straight into quali. Um, and it was a bit like, wow, you know, how's that going to go? Um, but it, it is what it is, you know, you can't um, choose the circumstances in, in, in this scenario. So, yeah, threw myself in there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the rest is, is history, but obviously it went uh, quite well, especially on, on Sunday. Saturday was, was tough, but just didn't think, you know, just arrived and, and did what I could. Yeah, and on that, on, on the Saturday, your first laps were in Q1, so it's the first competitive session for everyone else. I, I know they'd had a bit less practice just given how that weekend went, but from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people can assume, oh, these guys are, you know, they're racing drivers, they can just jump into one of these cars and drive. But as you've kind of said there, if you hadn't dr driven the racing point earlier in the season, it would have been nearly impossible. And the car had changed yeah. a bit, I remember you saying, since Silverstone. So just explain a bit, like, just, just how difficult is it to get in there and even get close to the maximum of your performance when you've literally just been dropped in like that for a session like that? Yeah, it is very difficult. And um, every, every, you know, Obviously, car feels different anyways, per se. You know, there's different kind of vibrations going through the car from different power units, um, different seating position, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that, you know, kind of need to, you know, get your head around, get the feel and then the hang of it. Um, now, obviously, I knew the racing point from, from uh, the Silverstone weekends. Um, but things have changed, especially on, on the technical side, um, like, you, like you touched on. So it's just something, you know, if you have no time and it's, you know, immediately the most competitive session, you know, qualifying. So it's not like, you know, you can have, you know, an easy warm up and ease yourself in. So it's really kind of straight a kick in the butt then, you know, see what you can do. But um, yeah, we did that. Um, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much that. And on, on the Sunday, was your mindset kind of at the beginning, I guess, keep your nose out of trouble, you know, at the beginning and just, and yeah, just kind exactly. of let the race come to you a bit? Exactly. I was, you know, we said uh, before the race, obviously, given the, the crazy uh, circumstances, you know, I don't want to be caught up in any sort of shenanigans on lap one because I'd be ashamed to lose the race before it even starts. Obviously, I knew I had, a, you know, still a huge learning curve in, in front of me uh, during the entire race. Um, so, yeah, we said, you know, I said I stay very cool and, and easy on lap one, not taking any risk and then, you know, step by step, get into the race and um, get, get a foot in the door there which, which uh, we managed to do successfully. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Physically, it was pretty tough. I felt uh, sore for a couple of days, but it was, uh, it was all worthwhile. And you've had that experience of being ready for a race and then having it yanked away from you at Silverstone. How, how did that feel when you had the car issues before the race? Because you must have kind of pumped yourself up so quickly for that first race. And then, you know, and, and at that point, you didn't know if you'd be racing in the second one. It must have been a really weird kind of couple of days of emotions for you. Yeah, I mean, it was super, you know, highs and lows and kind of everything thrown at you there. But, you know, this is one of the things as a driver, it's, you know, totally out of your control. If the car goes, you know, into technical problems, then what can you do? Obviously, you're, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, but, you know, so is the team. You know, they really didn't uh, want this to happen. You know, it didn't look great on them too, but it is a technical sport. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, it happens. And I think across all three weekends that you've been performing, there was loads of things said by you know, drivers currently, Ricardo, Verstappen, I know, I think Lewis and a few others, you know, were saying like, 
you know, how good it was to see you coming back and doing so well and saying that you deserve the seat next year. And I was wondering what it's like to hear that, because on the one hand, it's a nice thing for them to say, but there must be an element of frustration there as well, because you're, you must be like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> give me a seat. You know, these guys are saying it. So when you're back in the mix and hearing that, what's the, what's the reaction to that? Well, these guys, uh, they don't decide, frankly, at the end of the day. You know, they're not the team owners or principals. Uh, I mean, they could be nice enough to give up their seats. You know, that would be a nice <laughs> Yeah, Lewis, I mean, if Lewis but, is listening, maybe he can give you, <laughs> maybe that's the best one. I, I think that's unlikely. But yeah. um, no, it's obviously nice to get that kind of feedback from, you know, respected drivers and, and colleagues. I'm uh, no, happy to, to hear that and take that on board. Um, but yeah, I mean, the situation, you know, it is obviously Formula 120 seats. It's just super limited you know it, it's really very few numbers um and this is again one thing you know that's kind of out of my control is other people making the decision kind of for me um or about me if you like but um you know I'm, I'm not too stressed about it i think i delivered when i had the chance this year obviously that's the one thing if you're not you know fully in doing a season you know it's kind of difficult to obviously you're not that visible um, and, and people, you know, tend to forget quickly. They always just remember the last race. So not so easy to make an impression. So I was very happy to 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 be able to receive some races and perform well. And I think I did what I had to do. And now it's um, now it's up to them. Mm. And yeah, you, you're right about the 20 drivers. And, and F1 can be quite a tough market for, for anyone. You know, sometimes drivers, it, it feels like there's drivers that deserve to be in it that aren't. Drivers maybe that don't deserve who are in it. And one guy at the moment who's not sure what he's doing is Sergio Perez, your old teammate. I was wondering what you made of that situation because I know that you know the two of you were really close when you were forcing your teammates, and to see him kind of not sure where he's going, it's kind of you know surprising sometimes to see that as it was with yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, it is a very um, expensive sport, you know, and often commercial, you know, reasons, you know, have a big factor there in, in teams' decisions. I mean, that's no news really. Um, of course. In a way, unfortunate for Checo, but you know, maybe also lucky for him. We don't know yet. <laughs> Depends where where he ends up, I guess. But um, he, he's definitely you know one of the drivers he needs to be on the grid. Just uh, yesterday, he did a, an epic drive. Uh, I felt you know super good job in in uh, Portugal, and I'm I'm not worried for him to be honest that he that he will uh, not get a drive. And I'm um, just I've got to ask the customer question in terms of for yourself in 2021. How have, things, how have things changed around this year? Because I think what you said about having a chance to show people what you could do is quite interesting because had this year gone as every other year before this has gone, you might not have had that opportunity. So has that, has that opened up doors and conversations that maybe you wouldn't have had without those opportunities to get back in the car? Or has it, has it just kind of been a nice way of reminding people that while those conversations already went on, you're like, well, here's what I can do anyway? Yeah, I think more what you said secondly that you know it's a, a good way of reminding people of, of my name of you know what i'm capable of that i'm also still around uh but you know given that it's not like somebody put a contract right in front of me you know it hasn't really had that kind of change or, or impact um on the other side i think if it would have been a completely normal year no corona no step-ins for me uh, i also wouldn't have had the contract in front of me so that didn't really change the situation but of course people are more aware now my name has been mentioned in in the press a lot so of course it's given some some positive media and and, and coverage and um what have you got much idea yet what you might be doing in 2021 do you think you'll still be trying to keep your foot in kind of the f1 door or is it maybe when you maybe move over to to doing other series there are so many things outside of f1 to do as well um 
We're still figuring that out, to be honest. We don't. Uh, I don't know that that uh, the answer to that question yet. And as we know, you know, there's uh, teams very much, you know, in control that are, you know, in the process of, of making their their choices. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm considered, or my name is mentioned and linked to a few teams. So waiting to to see how they feel, what they want to do. It must be quite funny seeing your name in reports and stuff like that. You know, especially I was speaking to a few drivers at the weekend who say like. They're like sometimes I read reports and I don't even you know it's the first I've read of it you know stuff like that mm-hmm. that must be quite a funny thing to to kind of read on a day to day basis. I don't read day to day internet stuff to be honest, so I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's well perfect. That's that's the best way to avoid it. Um, I mean, I'm on the internet, but not necessarily on the you know yeah. on, on the F1 news stuff. Yeah, you're not googling your own name, which is always a good a good plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned something there, which is actually um, quite interesting about about figuring out your next move. And one thing I want to talk to you about is actually what it's like for you in the situation you were at the end of last year and the start of this year, kind of when you're faced with that decision of stepping away from Formula One and actually kind of working out what the next step is. So when you left Abu Dhabi last year, what, what was that like kind of going away from there? There must've been a lot of uncertainty. How do you approach that situation? Did you go into the off season thinking like, sweet, I've got, <laughs> I've got the winter off or was it, was it kind of almost an anxiety to kind of get back and, and work out what the next step was? Mm, I think every scenario, every driver probably would, would be different. But for me, obviously, I knew that there's at least one year out, you know, and away from Formula One. But I, I was quite kind of, you know, good about it because I think some some parts of me felt that that was kind of also necessary or time for, for a little break, you know, to refresh, uh, step aside uh, for a moment. Obviously, always, you know, being aware that, you know, with a year out, it's, it's kind of difficult to come back. Of course, you know, if you're realistic, um, but it's kind of, you know, what I probably what I needed or wanted at the time as well. So I wasn't really anxious about anything. Um, I knew, you know, that I, I have a good name, which you know doesn't give you a seat. But I had 10 years, you know, fair share of, of time in Formula One. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very keen. You know, I, I still have a lot of passion for the sport. It's, you know, what I want to do. It's probably what I what I'm best at, too. So hopefully I get another crack. So I'm, I'm keen, but but not desperate, you know, and um, obviously just to be in Formula One um, yeah, for, under any sort of circumstances doesn't really make sense, you know, if you had a, a decent career in Formula One. So it kind of needs to be yeah, a solution that, that works for everyone. And then for me, you know, as a driver, obviously you always want, you know, some perspective on, on the sporting side, you know, that you have um, yeah, something that teases you where you can go racing, you know, and you know you're going to be in the hunt for points, at least. Yeah, and that is so important, isn't it? And F1 can so often be dictated by the situation you're in, the car you're in. I was speaking to Roman Grosjean at the weekend, and he was almost saying, if it is the end of his F1 career, then fine, because what he wants to do is go and find a place where he's not fighting not to qualify last, I think is what he said. So I guess the older you get, you know, when you're young, you're like, yeah, any, any door, I'll take it in Formula 1. But I suppose now, do you start to think about series you can go and be competitive in because I know you've you obviously won at Le Mans before so you know what it's like to go to other series and compete and suddenly find yourself on the podium there yeah I mean not necessarily you know looking outside F1 I mean a little bit of course I have to be aware of it but I'm not uh, you know someone that that needs to rush into the next kind of thing or cockpit now um I think I would need to be clear first, really, what I want to do. If if F one, if, if the door is closed, fine. You know, if we have that decision, then I think I'll I'll look at the next thing and uh, what I want to do and if I want to do that. If that's you know a, a good motivation for myself or not. But uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we're we're not quite there yet.
Yeah. And I remember earlier this year when I think we were at pre-season testing and there was a photo going around of you, I think you were at Carnival in Rio. And it was quite a nice, it was a nice comparison because it was like, you know, Nico usually would have been here testing. Yeah. So what sort of things you've been getting up to away from F1 that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do? Because I assume that Renault wouldn't have let you go and kind of do that, you know, in the middle of, in the middle of the off season like that. So it must've been quite nice in a way to have a bit more freedom than you might've had otherwise. Yeah, it wasn't in the off season. It was during winter testing, you know. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was, so. it was right there. So obviously you wouldn't have been able to get absolutely out Absolutely no chance to go and do that. Stuff. <laughs> this is the sort of, you know, freedom that I had then and, you know, time to do all these other things, you know, to, to go to cool venues, cool places. I went to Rio. I was in my, I spent some time in Miami after that with friends, you know, and just kind of enjoyed life, you know, did, did what I felt like. Uh, obviously then very soon after that COVID hit, you know, and the lockdown happened. So that, uh, that ruined the, the other plans, but um, of course, yeah, dealt with it then as it, as it happened. Yeah, it sounds like a bit like, I'm not sure if there's the equivalent in Germany, but here it's like between the end of high school and uni, you have like a gap year and you're like, oh, I'll go and, I'll go and do all these <laughs> things I've wanted to do all this time. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I suppose F1 can be a bit of a bubble, you know, you can end up thinking that everything, the world revolves around this sport. And it's sometimes when you step out of it, you realize that there is so much, not just to motorsport as well, but to the entire world. Is that, is that, kind, of, is that kind of where you got to with some of those trips, just thinking like, yeah, this is actually this is actually nice as well. Cause it sounds like you're kind of at peace. If, if, if it is the end of the road for you in F1, it sounds like you're, you know, you've kind of come to terms with that. Well, I haven't come to terms with that. You know, it can, it can, it might happen. You know, that's what I said earlier. It's not really in my control. So, you know, if it's not in your own control, it's always obviously not the, the best kind of situation, but you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, but like I said, also it kind of, you know, had a good and, and fair share of, of F1 time. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, you know, and uh, I'll find, then I have to find other things in life that I, that I like doing and, and challenges. Um, of course, I would, I would miss F1, you know, and then the, the competitive side. I mean, that's so fun and so cool, you know, to go and compete out there with, with the guys and work with your team. That would be definitely something that I would that I'd miss. Um, what you said earlier there, like, of course, there's other things to life, but then, you know, we all need a purpose. We all need to do something, you know. It's, it's not fun just to stay at home for a month and month and, and don't really only do the gardening job. That's that's also not me, you know. There has to be, at, at some point, some, some excitement. Yeah, I can't quite picture you out in the garden, so I'm not sure if that's a, yeah. a career I'd suggest. Um, in terms of, I think when the call came to you for Silverstone, I think you said you were either testing or you were on the way to another circuit and you were doing some other... Have you yep. been have you been doing quite a lot of stuff like that just kind of in your in your free time I suppose doing bits that again if you weren't an F1 driver if you were an F1 driver you wouldn't have had that opportunity to to kind of go and race just kind of thrash race cars around various circuits uh, a little bit this was I, I didn't do too much of that this this was actually you know just one one project and kind of a friend um, convinced me to do it so so I committed to do it and this was you know one test prior to to the event. But then obviously, we, which didn't happen, I, I ended up going to Silverstone. But um, apart from that, I mean, personally, I went to the Nordschleife a couple of times, you know, just privately with my own cars. Because, uh, yeah, probably looking for a little bit of, of adrenaline <laughs> and, and just, you know, learning the track there because I've, obviously it's, it's so famous, but I didn't really know it previously. And then uh, during Corona, when all that simulator stuff was so popular, I ended up learning the track a little bit virtual first, and then I said, "Okay, now we need reality too." And <laughs> went there a few times, and uh, yeah, it's it's incredible track, super challenging, and probably the, the hardest, most spectacular uh, circuit in the world. So, how many times did you go to the Nordschleife then in the, in the last couple of months? 
It was four or five times, something like that. Nice. Just open track days, you know, there's public. Yeah. You just buy, you know, the day, the, 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 the laps, and you just go in and thrash around and have, have some fun. Yeah, I know a couple of journalists who took hire cars there, and they didn't obviously tell the, <laughs> the hire car companies for obvious reasons, but it looks amazing. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, obviously a shame they don't race. We don't, we don't race there anymore. Um, and just on the, you mentioned there quickly the virtual racing. What, what did you make of that earlier in the year? I know because a lot of drivers were quite split on it. There were some that loved it and some that it kind of confirmed them how much they missed real life racing. So which one, which yeah. one was it for you? Yeah, I've never been a big gamer uh, growing up. So, I mean, I did it because probably I was a bit bored too um, during lockdown. Yeah. You know, at least it gave you something to do and then to practice and, you know, to have some sort of competition. But I couldn't really fall in love with it. So... Uh, I think I did like one, two events and then I kind of kind of bailed out of it. Yeah, because there were a few events that F1 did where like Lando was out of the race because his internet dropped and stuff. And it's kind of, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard I mean, to get into that competitively. I guess for lockdown, it was fine. You know, it kept people, yeah. it gave some entertainment at least. But obviously it's, it, it can replace the, the real deal. Uh, you know, it doesn't even come close. And there was just um, what, what we're talking about pictures and memes of you that have gone viral there was one as well of you like kind of turn, turning around looking from the sofa I think it was during the Australian Grand Prix or at least the build-up to it uh at the start or maybe it's for testing or something like that but it was kind of you saying I'm getting ready to watch the race um for the first time or maybe I Austria know, or something like that. picture I posted actually watching the race from from the yeah, couch that's, yeah that's right and what's that been like to because you mentioned trying to kind of match the adrenaline rush you get in an F1 car when you're when you're sitting on the sofa and you know what that's like that must be quite a tough kind of mental adjustment, especially for the first one. I, I imagine it was quite difficult. Uh, yeah, obviously the thing was that the season, when did the season start? June? Or yeah, the first weekend of June, Austria. Exactly. So during, so the season obviously starts very late. So all of lockdown, I'm not seeing racing. I'm not seeing, you know, I, I see that I'm not missing out on anything. You know, no one is on the track. So I kind of, you know, it was easier. It was very relaxed. It was actually really enjoyed the lockdown time. And then once they started racing, you know, obviously uh, I'm following, I'm watching, and only then, you know, start to think like, hmm. I remember Austria, the first race was a was a, you know, was a yeah was a killer or a really good one. I'm like, hmm, I would have, you know, liked to be part in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have you been able to watch other series as well? Because I know that I suppose when you're racing, sometimes you you maybe don't get to see I don't know your Formula E's, your IndyCar, your NASCAR stuff like that. Have you been able to watch too much, yeah. or do you not? Do you not? Uh, a little bit. I, I, I do watch other stuff a little bit, not super close. Um, more tennis, probably. I watch more tennis than, than other racing series, <laughs> I, I guess. Nice. Any any favorite tennis players? I know it's been a big year for Nadal. Um, not really. I mean, I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Um, enjoy, you know, it's just, a good, it's just a good battle. You know, man against man, no, no other factors in there. You know, it just comes down to you, your your skill, your, your talent and, and your day form. So um, I just really enjoy watching when, when they're really, you know, giving it to each other. Yeah. I mean, I, my tennis knowledge is absolutely limited, so I'm not going to ask a follow-up on that. I, I'm not, I don't know too much about it. Um, just finally on the F1 stuff and, and, and watching races, what do you think, what do you make of F1 as, as the product when you watch it like that? Because you, you've seen so many races from inside the car and you know what your race looks like. You know, in those races, you're not thinking about who's the battle for sixth or who the battle for second or whatever. You're just concentrating on your race. So the way it's presented and the way, it, the, way the race has come across, what, what do you make of it? Because there's a lot of talk about the way to make the product better uh, and if it needs to get better. I wonder what you made of that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the racing is racing. You know, you can't change the principle. <laughs> obviously uh and the, the wheel is always going to be be round 
but I think the, the product is not bad. Of course, you have every kind of six, seven races, we get, you know, a stunner. Um, and obviously it would be good if we have more regularly or every race could be, you know, super spectacular. You know, we would get more attention, uh, you know, attract more fans. Viewing numbers probably would be higher. So something that you could try and, you know, work on, which I think Formula One is already doing, you know, by addressing the the technical regulations, which obviously has, have been postponed to 2022. But uh, hopefully that will, you know, bring it more into this direction. I mean, these are the ultimate sophisticated racing cars, you know, the fastest cars in the world. To, to do that, we need aerodynamics. But aerodynamics, then on the, you know, other side kind of kill racing a little bit. So, yeah, catching your tail a little bit. Um, but watching from outside and also last Friday in Portimao and FP1, it was only FP1 and grip was slow and stuff. But still seeing them going around, you know, some of his corners, it is, it is bloody cool and very spectacular and, you know, uh, an amazing industry still for me, very fascinating. Yeah. And um, will you be, I suppose you'll be going down to Imola. I know you've been going to a few of the races in a media capacity, but also, you know, with one eye on maybe being a stand-in. Are you going to be at Imola this weekend? No, not planning to. Okay. But you, I, I suppose you need to know the quickest route to Imola just in case you, your phone well, buzzes again. <laughs> not really me. The, I mean, you know, it's the, if, if they call me, it's, it's more a team's problem than mine, I, I suppose. So mm. they need to be more aware of it than me, I guess. Yeah. There's been some cool racetracks on the added to the calendar this year. Which one which one of the new ones? I know you've kind of hinted that you went to the Nordschleife, but which of the, the new ones do you kind of regret you didn't get a chance to, to race on this year? So which one we had Portimao now? We've had Portimao, Turkey we had Magello, and then Turkey's coming back and Imola is obviously this weekend. So out of those four, if you had to pick one. It's probably Portimao. Not because it's the most recent, but I raced there in two thousand nine in F in, in G P two back then and it was a, it's a pretty cool circuit i have to say uh yeah turkey really, race, really cool. uh, turkey raced in my first year in 2010 uh, imola i've never raced so i don't know but it doesn't seem that like you know special um obviously zanford they, they missed out on zanford this year which which would be quite cool but uh Portimao, it's a it's a cool place cool yeah track. and just last one as a as a viewer and i know you've done a bit of punditry who of the young guys coming through have really impressed you this season because we've seen a few breakthrough performances from a lot of the young guys uh, yep um probably schwarzman and up too mm. you know coming as a rookie um you know from from the first weekend he was he was very competitive very quick uh knowing you know in racecraft what to do kind of thing um then lately i think he had a bit of a more you know headwind or, or a bit more struggles but um he seemed uh yeah, he seemed pretty on the ball, pretty switched on. Yeah, a lot of good guys coming through in F2. At the moment, exactly. There's a lot of uh, talent around there. Great stuff. Well, Nico, we really appreciate your time. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. And um, who knows, maybe we'll have you on again and you'll be talking about another stand-in performance uh, in 2020. Yeah. Thank you very much.